You're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. Okay, I'm the coolest. Okay, so if you are listening and you hear a bunch of music in the background, that is not us. That's Ruby Tuesdays. <laughs> we're, we're having lunch. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm Pastor Floyd Hughes from Crossroads Community Church in Jefferson Hills with... Mark Berkshire with Mark Berkshire Ministries in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. And we are actually going to discuss a topic that we should have done a while ago. Um, but as we were just joking about, this is only like our fourth or fifth podcast because we don't get together quite as often as we should to do this. And I keep messing up the technology. can't figure out why it's working. Um, the free technology. The ones you pay for work great. <laughs> but we're going to talk about the persecuted church. And I'm really just going to sit sidebar and <laughs> let Mark handle this one. And maybe you can share why... You're handling this one, what you're involved in, all the things that you do. Okay. The sole purpose of Mark Berkshire Ministries is to bring awareness to the churches here in the United States and in our local area about the persecuted church. I'm involved with a couple different organizations, um, with uh, Voice of the Martyrs, uh, Open Doors USA, uh, international concerns, Christian concerns, uh, is another group that I'm involved with. Um, I have a Facebook page that is dedicated to the persecuted church at Mark Berkshire Ministries. Uh, Facebook at Mark Berkshire Ministries, however you do that, and you can go and look at it there. And I try to post every day um, either <coughs> prayer concerns, news uh, about the persecuted church, what's relevant. Um, to today and what they're going through and you might ask why you know why do I do this um, I guess because somebody needs to stand up for the persecuted church and and make a voice for those who cannot voice their concerns um, openly a lot of times so before we continue just for people uh, who are listening, who may have never heard that term before, or they've heard it, but they haven't heard anyone define it, what would be the definition when you use the term the persecuted church? Who does okay. that apply to? What is that referencing? Let's talk about what is persecution. Persecution is the harassing, oppressing, or um, just treating people really bad because of their difference in society. That's persecution. Persecution to the church is that believers are being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of that going on, especially in Muslim countries, in um, the Middle East, and, and things like that. We don't see it too much here in America yet. I believe there's a day that it's going to be here in the United States. We see our um, our religious freedoms being taken away from us all the time. Um, matter of fact, there was a bill out in California 
that um, the pastors had to bring their sermons or submit their sermons to the local town for approval before they preached them because they didn't want to talk about certain things that would be offensive to people. Um, so it's, it's coming. It, it's coming our way. Um, there are 245 million believers that experience some type of high-level persecution around the world every month. And that that persecution, we're not talking about like someone casting shade on you because you posted a Christian meme or someone ridiculing you because you complained about the halftime show. Right. This is being beaten, being uh, kicked out of your family in some cases, uh, kicked out of your towns uh, because you've decided to follow Jesus Christ. Right. And uh, it, it, it's sad, you know, that, that this is happening. And you, you say, well, why is it happening so much in the Middle East? If you think about it, where did Christianity start? It started in the Middle East. It is the birthplace of Christianity. It's the birthplace of Christ this is nothing new. Right. Persecution has been going on. You can read about persecution in the Bible from starting in the book of Genesis all the way through. Uh, matter of fact, the first reference to persecution in the Bible is in Genesis 4. When Cain killed Abel because his, his offering was better than, Abel's offering was better than Cain's. That's the first recorded uh, record of persecution that we would find in the Bible and then you can go throughout the Bible and see different forms of persecution. Just to give you an idea today how it is, there were 345 believers that are killed every month for their faith in Jesus Christ. Wow. It's roughly 11 people a day that are killed somewhere in the world for their faith. And we say this is Middle East, but is it as close as Colombia, Mexico? There, you know, the regions that are close to us too. Yeah, 105 churches and Christian buildings are burned or attacked <coughs> every month. 219 believers are detained without a trial, arrested, and sentenced, and imprisoned every month for their belief. Oh, go ahead. And the Bible... Oh, no, wait. Were you going to ask something? Yeah, or? You guys doing good? Oh, oh, no, yeah. we're good. Okay, we're good. Yeah. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Yeah. Can I have a cup of coffee? Yeah. Okay. No, just black. Thanks. Okay. We will edit that out. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. <coughs> and, um, you know, it shouldn't be surprising to us that persecution happens. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, Jesus gives us the Sermon on the Mount. And he goes through all of these beatitudes, all of these, blessed is he who is a peacemaker, blessed is he who, you know, is poor at heart and things like that. Come to verse 10, and it says, blessed is he who are persecuted for the righteousness. Now, how can we be happy to be persecuted for righteousness sake? Um, And it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others reveal you 
and persecute you and um, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice, verse 12 says, and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. But think about it. How, how can you be joyful if you're being persecuted? How can, how can that happen? And there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, you know, Jesus said, goes on in the same chapter, verse 5, uh, verse 44 of chapter 5. He says, to pray for your enemies, to love your enemies, and pray for them. And pray for those who what? Persecute, persecute you. you. Yeah. So we are to pray for those who persecute us. Um, persecution is a real thing. It's not something that that we just like to bring up to make people feel sorry for other people. Um, as a matter of fact, if you talk to the persecuted people, that's the last thing they want you to do. Um, to <coughs> what, what would they say that they want then? The number one thing that a persecuted person asks is that we pray for them. That is their number one request. Not to get them out of the persecution. But to just pray for them. Just to pray for them. And I will give you some things to pray about in here in a few minutes. Okay. I would I would submit that that is probably the least prayed for thing in our Americanized culture in the churches. When we pray for somebody to be healed, when we pray for the sick, when we pray for the homeless. It, I, I just don't see it. And yeah, it just doesn't happen. It is. And, and, you know, in my ministry, the thing that breaks my heart is I'm trying to get um, opportunities to share this in other churches. And I'm not getting responses from pastors to even let me come and share. Thank you so much. Let me come and share their their plight and what's going on. What do, why do you think that the American culture is so averse to hearing about or even talking about the persecuted church? I think... I have a theory and mine's is really negative, but... <laughs> I think some of it is because of just lack of knowledge. Um, they're not aware of what's going on. Really? As, uh, I mean, I don't, not the pastors. I'm talking about people in the in in the pews. Yeah, but the, the pastors are the ones who drive. The pastors are the ones that talked preach. about, prayed about, so. and and a lot of them say, and they "Well, see we all have the we have missionaries in that area that we don't need to worry about because missionaries are taking care of things like that." Uh, I've heard that excuse. Okay, that's a whole other podcast we need to do. Right, podcast. <clears throat> from my perspective, I feel like our missionaries are failing. Absolutely. No disrespect to missionaries. We, I mean, our congregation supports missionaries. I've gone to visit missionaries. I feel like they're failing and maybe not getting the support in, that they should get. They're like right. a, a fifth, sixth, seventh wheel of, of what the church, church yeah, yeah. does when it should be. Yeah. They're doing the primary work that the church is supposed to be doing, sharing the gospel. So yeah, um, <coughs> yeah, whole other podcast for that. Yeah, okay. and, and I think also that. One of the other reasons is that we don't know what it's like. We, we don't experience. 
I mean, like you said, the biggest persecution we get here in America is if somebody doesn't like our post on Facebook. Right. That is, you know... Or the... the or the name-calling, or... Or the cake people who yeah. got sued because you wouldn't make a cake. Right, or, or right. And, and that's that's what we consider persecution. Right. Um, we don't consider persecution as... Um, we don't we don't understand what it really means to follow Christ here in America. When Christ says take up your cross and follow me, we don't understand what it means to truly take up your cross and follow him. In the persecuted world in other areas of the world. Think about this. We are 1% of the Christian faith yeah. in the United States. That's it. However, in the world, in the Americanized mindset, we are the Christian faith. Right, we're, exactly. we're it. We're the we're the center of of, of, of everything. Christianity, yeah, of everything. And we're not, <laughs> but we're not. Right, you know. So we're one percent. Eighty-five percent of the world is is affected by persecution. Right. Uh, there are some countries that aren't as bad because they don't deal with it as much. Um, but I think we've we've just um, polarized ourselves to where we just don't want to see that because we can drive to church every Sunday, yeah, and not have to worry about being stopped by the police and being put in jail because we're going to church. There are places like in China, for example, in the underground church in China. It may take them all day to get to church because they go a different route every day and they may go yeah, way out 20, of 20 or 30 miles out of the way to get to church um, because they don't want to be found where the church is. Um, there, there's just so much. But you know where the, the biggest revival is happening today? Uh, I would say either China or Korea. I can't remember. Iran. Iran, really? Iran has the largest revival going on right now. Wow. And it's amazing to hear some of the stories coming out of Iran. Well, we have some missionaries that we support in that area. And I can't say their name or where they're at, but in that area. And they have some amazing stories. And believe it or not, I think, because both you and I are, are... part of this small church pastors Facebook group with pastors from small mm-hmm. churches and those churches in that I get that I see from the Middle East from where I can't say where he's at but when he sends pictures packed mm-hmm. like packed in, yeah. in, in churches the size of the churches of the small church but filled to the brim standing room people in the aisles whatever yeah. eager and hungry for the yeah. word of God, and we we can't we can't get people to miss a soccer game on Sunday morning to yeah you know to come come to church. It's amazing, you know, uh, um, and, and you're right. There are there are churches that are just packed, and, and people that have to to be in secret churches and quiet about their yeah their beliefs. You know, they can't worship loudly like we have the bands and everything. They don't have that because it would draw attention to them. No. Yeah. So, you know, that's what gets me when I when 
and this is a whole nother podcast too, but that's what gets me about the American church, always wanting to have these big worship teams, and, and there's nothing wrong with them. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm with them. I, I do think but, we need to do a podcast about that too, because I'm just, all for that, but to a certain extent. Right. Yeah, I'm all for I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I'm like, if, if we're going to spend money, you know, the halftime show that people would complain about for football teams that not even everybody was happy about. Um, yeah. I'm like, a Sunday morning worshiping God should be way more explosive, vibrant, packed, with as much music, lights, performance as you can bring into it to celebrate God. Yeah. If you have those resources. If you have those resources, yeah. but there's not... You know, but but if you're in an underground church, you can't have those resources, no, and you can't and have you can't do that. But they still field. worship the same as we do, and you probably know, more, and so. probably better. Yeah, they they don't complain if their service is three hours long. You know, they don't. So they don't. And uh, people, I know people are going to hate me for this because I'm just not of the mindset. And I, again, this is my opinion. Anything yeah. that's not where God doesn't say thou shalt or thou shalt not, right. Is just our opinions, the way we choose to do it. But I, I, this is why it wigs me out when I hear the pastors that like, no, you got to keep the sermon to fifteen minutes. Yeah, I'm like, what? I mean, there are a few, but what? I mean, read the, the Sermon on the Mount. Right. That was way longer than fifteen minutes. Yeah. That Jesus was and speaking. So. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> but they don't. You know, they have even in Venezuela today, where the church was very much alive and they still are alive but they can't do it right. in public anymore you know um, wow, wait so in Venezuela I mean I know they have the financial issues and all that stuff they, so they have a leader that now uh, will not allow them they allow them to meet publicly but they they kind of monitor everything that is being said there wow and this um, this was a predominantly Christian say, yeah Christian heavy Catholic nation right influenced government everything heavy right. Catholic nation yeah and now they can't now they've gone the other openly. direction yeah <coughs> wow and um, <coughs> you know it, it's sad it's sad but um, so why why should we care why should we care here in America like I said after all most of this is going on in countries that are thousands of miles away from us. Why should we care? And I'll give you a couple reasons. The Apostle Paul gives us one answer. In 1 Corinthians 12, 26, it says, If a member suffers, all suffer with them. We are one body in Christ. The Bible teaches us that we are one body. And if one member of our body is suffering, the whole body should suffer. The whole body should be praising and rejoicing when one member rejoices. We are all one body. We get caught up in this Baptist. We were talking about this earlier. This Baptist and Methodist and whatever. Presbyterian, whatever. Whatever it is. We get caught up in that. We are Baptist or we are Presbyterian. We are body of Christ before we are anything else. Yeah. And if we're not then I suggest you might want to go back and read the Bible and pray and ask God, am I really a part of the body of Christ? Well, you say that whilst we have 
several denominations right now that are pending to split right because of differences and all that stuff and they're not looking at each other and saying hey we're one body how do we resolve this right they're saying we're we have for lack of a better term different ways that we want to worship God and so we're going to be two different bodies right in 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 there's and I say that and I don't mean to be sound flippant with that statement either but we do worry too much about denominations oh I agree and you not, know I agree with that. and I, not, I'm not about Jesus Christ yeah it's uh, one so thing I, I I I love about the persecuted church there are no denominations they are the church which is what we were and the way that's, we started. that's the way we yeah. started and, and they go back to the real acts church where there is no denomination you are the body of Christ and so that's why we should care we should care because we are the body the writer of Hebrews tells us in Rome in Hebrews 1313 uh, 13, remember those who are in prison as though you are in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you are also part of the body. Okay, read that again slowly and louder. Okay. Just in case someone did not hear that. <laughs> Hebrews 13:3. Remember those who are in prison as though you as though you are in prison with them. And those who are mistreated since you are all in the body. We are all part of the body of Christ. That's the key thing I want to get across here. As, cross follow, as Christ followers, we can't afford to just sit back on and the do, sidelines yeah, and do nothing and watch this happen. We need to take a stand and stand with them. Well, I can't go to the Middle East and stand beside them. I understand that. Not many of us can, and not many of us want to, to be honest. Yeah, um, that, that's you know, uh, gets back to the why we send missionaries because we can't. But that yeah. again, that's a whole other, a whole podcast. other podcast. Yeah, but um, but we can pray <clears throat> for them. We can stand up for them. We can let people know what is going on with them. Just last week uh, in Nigeria, yeah, um, there was a church and a pastor that was attacked and the pastor was killed and uh, many of the church members were killed. It doesn't get any news reports. It doesn't get any any talk about but we know about it. Yeah. You know, and um, Well that comes it, under the what can what can we we do. We're going to come back to that. Well, this is there. still under that. You know, why <laughs> should we care and what can we do? We're going to go to what can we do. Yeah, we'll come but, back to that. Um, but we need to take a stand you know we need to pray by standing with the persecuted believers we're partnering with them and letting them know that they're not alone you know um, and that's something too that that um, really impresses me about those who are persecuted I, I get on webinars with people from Syria and, and from Iraq and from Iran and, and other parts of the world, India, that I get on once a month with them and from different parts. And to hear their testimonies and how 
they never complain about their circumstances. They're proud to be persecuted for Christians. Which it was the uh, mentality of the early church, if you read through, like you were saying, the book of Acts mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of Paul's letters was, yeah, persecuted, but yeah, it's expected and I, it's an honor to receive this persecution for doing God's work. I don't think anyone's happy being persecuted, beaten in prison no. or whatever, but to be doing it for, for Christ. Christ. They were like, yeah. There was a story that I, I heard just recently about a, a a man in Iraq. He was a Christian, lived beside a Muslim um, uh, a person that was, you know, against Christians. Um, and they were neighbors. The Christian never once witnessed to him, never once did anything verbally to you know tell him about Jesus he took his trash down to the curb every day that's all he did he would get his trash and take it down to where they would come around and the Christians are the ones that were picking up the trash because they were the lowest of lows but he would do that and after a while the Muslim came over and said why do you come over here every day he said I'm just trying to be helpful he said well you don't have to worry about being hurt I will make sure that you are protected. And the whole time the ISIS conflict was going on there, this Muslim stood up for this Christian and would not allow anyone to hurt him. The, the pastor or the Christian that I'm talking about led him to Christ, led the Muslim to Christ and his whole family because he was willing to take out the trash. In a country where it's polluted with trash (laughs) but he was willing to do that Um, you don't see that around here you know Um, I think there there are little pieces of that and pockets of that but like you said earlier stuff like that doesn't get posted or isn't popular so even if it is posted no one shares it or reshares it because yeah. you know they don't think it's going to get the interest. So that he they did want. something good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but it, it, in 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 areas where it matters, you know, um, you can see how Christ is using it, yeah. people. Um, it, it just amazes me how how these Christians just believe the way they do. I mean. Um, uh, what's the preacher that gave up his church writes a lot of books Chan um, can't think of his name right now not uh, Matt Chandler he didn't give up no 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 Francis uh, Chan Francis Chan yeah he went to China a yeah. few years back and he went to an underground church and he said what happens if they come in and find us and they said you run and you run fast he said, well, why wouldn't you just stand up? And this was a group of teenagers he was talking to. So why wouldn't you just tell them, no, I don't believe in Jesus? And they said, why would we do that when we do? You guys still doing good over here? Yeah. yeah. Why would you do that when we do? You know, they knew what the consequences were. They weren't willing to say, no, we don't believe in Jesus. But how many people here in, in America... If someone came into your church and said, do you believe in Jesus, 
and your life was really threatened, would you say, well, it's okay to say, I don't believe in Jesus because Jesus knows I believe in him and save your life? <clears throat> well, I think we know the answer to that because just how many people would just be willing to show they believe in Jesus by showing up. Up to church. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You know, So these believers know what the consequences are. And they still follow Jesus. Yeah. They can count the cost. They know the price. But in the end, they know that Jesus is worth it. Yeah. You know, And that's the thing that, that gets me every time I talk to these believers. Is they they put me to shame? Yeah. So I, it I sounds do. like we, and I'm I'm generalizing because I know some people might listen to this and say, well, that's not me. But it sounds like we in our Americanized culture don't value Jesus enough. Exactly. We don't. We just don't value him enough. Um, and I granted there are some diehard, you know, Christians or whatever. But it sounds like we just don't value him enough. Uh, we don't prioritize him enough. Right. We don't. And, and the thing, you know, I think here in America, too, it's easy for us to go down the street and get a loaf of bread. Yeah. And a, a pop or whatever it is that we want. Um, you know, and we don't, re- we don't have to rely on God for our provisions I don't know, because even in some lower economic communities, uh, I have there are stores. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean there are there are people who are hurting financially, and you would think they would be maybe not third world country situations, but financially uh, unstable enough to where yeah, I've, I've got to trust nothing else but Jesus, but. I don't. I don't see that either. No, because we have the government that steps in. Yeah, even with the government assist, you know, that's a whole other. Podcast. That's another podcast too. But I'm but just saying. Yeah, you know, I, we I don't. Just, we don't have the. There was. I was talking to a lady uh, as we were trying to put something together from a, to help with a medical organization, and she said in her interactions where she had been in lower economic communities. Uh, And I don't know what her, if she was a Christian or not, but she said she wanted to ask me because she wanted my take on it. She said she kept running into people who, because of their economic situation, they had no hope. Because it's like, oh, we have no hope, you know, we're poor, whatever. But they also... um, would communicate, oh yeah, we have faith and we believe, we, you know, we're Christians or whatever. And her question that none of them, she said, no one she ever asked us who could answer, her question was, well, if you, if you have faith, how come you have no hope? Mm-hmm. And none of them could answer because they, I guess, had in their mindset separated the two. Um, and that's one of the things that, that gets me because... When you're talking about your financial situation, we can walk yeah. down and get a piece of bread. But, and I've been in financial situations where I had no one to turn to but Jesus, and literally, yeah. you know, told him that. I was like, "All right, uh, you you are it. There is no government stepping in. Right. No one's coming in. 
the next meal is on you, God. Yeah. And, and, and I've been there too. Yeah. But yeah. in those situations... But we, we lose hope. We get discouraged. Yeah, but in those situations, our hope increases out of desperation. Sometimes. Here. Sometimes. Yeah. Well... That's what happened. That, that was yeah. my thing. I was like, out of desperation, my only hope was is in you, Jesus. But I why don't we go to him before? Well, here's what I can <laughs> say. You, we should. Biblically, we should. But what I know happens with some people, and I've heard their testimonies, and that's mine, never again. Been in that situation again. Okay, God, next meal is on you. But in those situations, didn't have to wait till the desperation went to him before. Right. Because I knew that he was my hope before he provided even if it wasn't the way that i i I wanted him to he still provided i'm still here uh you're not done with me yet you can still meet my needs okay i'm going to trust in you and each time that happens you turn to trust him more so but why do you think it's so difficult for us to grasp that principle here than it is in the Middle East or in this persecuted situation. I'm going to blame the pulpit. <laughs> because I don't think it's effectively communicated from the pulpit here. We preach about things that are going to make people feel good and make people happy instead of, you know, like you just laid out several verses, you know, starting in Genesis all the way through where. You know, here's the persecution that we're going to endure throughout the Bible, where Jesus said over and over, when you endure persecution, all the apostles in some of their writings, you're going to face persecution, but it's not talked about in the church. So I'm going to blame the pulpit. If it's that much in the Bible, then we should be preaching about it that much in the church, that, hey, you're going to face persecution, but when you do, I mean, just Mm -hmm. like Jesus told Peter, hey, Satan desires to have you, but when you turn back, you're going to go through something, but when you turn back, and we should be telling our people, hey, you're going to face persecution. It may not be beating, stabbing, whatever, but it may be difficulty on an individual basis. It may be you lose your job because Mm -hmm. you take a stand for Christ. It may be you get sued because you take a stand for Christ. It may be, you know, uh, the people in the town hate you, run you out of the school, whatever, because you take a stand for Christ. Yeah. It's going to happen. Instead of, oh, it's not going to happen, we don't do that here, we should be, yeah, this, this is, this is going to happen. Jesus said in John 15, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me first. Yeah. You know, it's going to happen. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted doesn't say we might be persecuted doesn't say it could happen it says we will be persecuted we persecution in following Christ has always been hand in hand so are we it's not you following Christ right I don't think we're following Christ I don't think we have totally surrendered to Christ in the way that the Bible talks about surrendering to him Um, Because if we were, because when you read that verse, uh, it stands to reason that if Jesus says all who will get persecuted and we're not seeing persecution, 
Yeah. And it's be, and, and partially because God has his hand on America where persecution is not there because we are we are with Israel, his people, his chosen people, we are we are about the only country in the world that can say that it is a Christian nation based on Christian principles. And we're 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 scrapping to keep that. And we are. Yeah. We are. I mean you can can't really hold that firm like we used to two decades ago. You can see the socialism and the the communism and everything else trying to creep in. And and the Muslim beliefs trying to take over what we based our beliefs on. That's why I'm saying persecution is going to come to America. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure. And it's going to come in the way that we see it in the Middle East. Um, but I think that God has protected us a lot from that um, because of our faithfulness. Yeah, and I think um, right now, with with whether you like the president or not, he has done more for Israel and and God's people than any other president that was ever put into office. And I think God has given us another breathing moment, so to speak, to have this. But we do not know what it means to totally surrender our lives to Christ. And I'm saying that from the pulpit down to the pews, we do not know what it means to be totally 100% sold out for Christ. Um, we don't have to lose our families. Yeah. A lot of these persecuted Christians, especially in the Muslim and Hindus uh, religions, if they become Christ, if they become Christ followers, their family turns their backs on them and throws them out. They lose everything. If they had money, if they had wealth, they lose it all. Thank you. They lose it all because of their their belief in Jesus Christ and they know that going into it we don't have to worry about that you know our family structure here in America we don't have to worry about being kicked out of the family because we believe in Jesus Christ you know so there's a big difference in that and and that's the thing that I, I try to get across to people and I haven't been there I'm not there I can't say that I'm totally surrendered to Christ in every area of my life that I need to be. Because it's hard. Yeah. And it's hard for us to grasp. But it's there. So what can we do to help these guys? Yeah, what can we do? What, what is can the, we do? Uh, what is the action plan? Uh, okay. First, other than pray. Reiterate. Pray, pray, pray. We're going to go into pray in a okay. second for specific prayers. First, be a voice for the persecuted church. Stand up and tell people about our persecuted brothers and sisters and what they're going through. How can how can people do that if they don't know what they're going through? Like, how can they learn okay. about it? Um, and, and I'll get to that in a second. But we can learn about the persecuted church by going to opendoorsusa.org or persecution.com 
which is the Voice of the Martyrs website. And we'll post this in the notes uh, for people uh, to kind of... Yeah, and they have ways, they have things that you can do. Each one of those, both of those organizations come out with a OpenDoorsUSA.org, what was the other one? Is persecution.com. <clears throat> That's Voice of the Martyrs. Um, they both have world ch- uh, watch lists that they come out with, with the top 50 countries in the world that are rated from number one to number 50 on how bad they are. For the third year or fourth year in a row, North Korea is the f- number one country that is the worst persecuted. Um, and it goes down through there, Pakistan, India, uh, China, some of the others. So it will give you a whole list of 50. Learn about them. And then you can talk to people about what's going on. Um, these organizations also smuggle Bibles into these areas. So you can that donate not, Bibles to be smuggled? You can donate Bibles. You can donate <coughs> money to the organizations and they can donate Bibles. They have care packages that they put in. Actually, just a quick story about that because one of the missionaries we support is a friend of mine. It's not a quick story, but is <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine. We were both at a church in Virginia and she, uh, let's see, how can I put this? Had gotten into some, a sexual lifestyle that was not good. And when she came out of it uh, and committed her life to Christ, she went back into that lifestyle to help minister to other people. This is before she ended up going to, I think, well, can't say where she's at either yeah. now. But uh, And one of the things she did is she went to Las Vegas and was working with an organization that was helping to bring women out of prostitution. And she came back and she said, hey, I'm going back again and I'm taking up a donation of Bibles because they don't have Bibles and they don't have money mm-hmm. to buy Bibles. You know, this before there was the internet and you could just go online and do, get 20 Bibles from Amazon or BiblesInBulk.com. Um, and I had just bought this awesome John MacArthur Bible with all these notes and leadership and all that stuff. And uh, she was like, you know, there's a pastor who is leading this organization that could really use that Bible, Floyd. And I was like, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> that is not happening. I just spent a fortune on this Bible, and I'm a huge John MacArthur fan, and yeah. blah, 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 and I am not giving up this Bible. And literally, as I turned to walk away, God said, yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. And I was too ashamed to turn right back around and hand it to her. So I had to call her the next day and say, hey, uh, I need, you, need you to come get this Bible because yeah. yeah, but yeah, donating yeah. Bibles, donating Bible. The other thing they do with the Bibles, just to give you an idea, like for uh, some of the countries that have the cellular technology, cellular phones, they make um, SD cards with the whole Bible on the SD card, oh, so cool. that if they get caught, they can just flip out the SD card, and the Bible's nowhere on them. That in itself. Should 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 register with people that you have to get rid of your SD card Uh in order to not be caught. That's the level of checking and how how intense they're willing to search uh, for the Word of God. Yeah. yeah. So and and they'll they'll do that. They'll just flip it out. You know, they 
doesn't take much to get rid of it. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so that's one way. Um, pray, I'll, Bible. I'll come back to pray in a second. Write letters to them and cards. You can go on the two websites that we were, that Floyd's going to put in the notes. They have areas where you can write notes to these, especially prisoners that are in prison. Um, they do get mail. We need to let them know they're not alone. Yeah. They're not standing alone. They're not there alone. That people care. Um, some of them may not get to read the letters, but somebody in that prison is reading the letters, and someone is going to be affected by Christ because of that letter, whether it's the prisoner or whether it's the person who's keeping them captive, um, because all of their mails opened. So yeah. write letters. And you can go on those websites and they will have translators so that you can write the letter in English and it's translated, translated. into their yeah. language. So it's kind of a cool thing. But Don and I do, uh, well, it's more Don than I, but we do chains for Christians, um, cards for chains and uh, for Christians and chains every year for Christmas. And we do... Um, you know, get the whole church involved in writing cards, and then we mail them out to to everybody. Um, so that's something that you can do. Um, talk to your pastor about sponsoring someone to come and talk about the persecuted church at your church. Um, How much does that cost? How much time does it take? Um, go through the details of that because people are gonna of ask of having someone come. Yeah, free of charge. I don't ask. Uh, Say that again. For me, for me, it's free of charge. I don't ask anything. For most people, from what would they probably <coughs> just cover their offering. expenses or a love offering or yeah. something? Okay. Um, any money that is given to me goes right back to the persecuted church. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't keep any of it for overhead or anything else. It all goes right back to them. Um, but. Um, you know, invite someone to come and talk um, and tell stories. I could sit here and tell you story after story after story about the persecuted Christians and those who I've talked to, <coughs> but we wouldn't have time to, to do that. But in a setting at a church, I can show you some of these people and talk to you about them. Um, but do that. Um, give to ministries like um, Open Doors or Voice of the Martyrs. And, and that money goes to the frontline workers, those who are in country working with the persecuted church and meeting their needs there. Um, and then ask God, how can I get involved? How would you have me get involved? And the first thing he's going to tell you is to pray. So how do we pray? We pray for God's... Uh, we pray that they have the sense of God's presence. We pray that they know the greater body of Christ is praying for them. We know, we asked uh, God to, to let them see, experience his comfort when uh, they're being persecuted. See God open doors for evangelism in that area. We pray that they will forgive and love their persecutors that they would be granted wisdom to convert um, to ministry work. Um, we pray for them to remain joyful amidst their suffering, 
to mature in their faith and to be rooted in God's word while they're going through this. Those are the, those things that I just mentioned, I didn't come up with. These are what the persecuted believers have told us how to pray for them. They pray for their persecutors as they're being persecuted. They forgive them right up front. Um, it's, it's a lesson that we can learn. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Here. So we need to do these things. That's how we get involved with it. Um, but first and foremost, ask God how he wants you to be involved. Um, if it's just going to your pastor, like I said, and saying, hey, can we have somebody come in and talk to us about the persecuted church? Begin to ask every Sunday morning in the prayer time, please pray for the persecuted church. You don't have to name anybody, just pray for the persecuted church. If you want to name a certain country or a certain individual, go to either my Facebook page or go to Open Doors or, or Voice of the Martyr and you can find people to pray for, to pray that, for that are being persecuted, that are being persecuted right then and then <coughs> make it a little more personal. So there's many ways that we can get involved here, but first we have to make sure that we are surrendered to God in, in a way, ask God to search us and, and help us to be as surrendered and as dedicated and committed hmm. as our persecuted brothers and sisters are. Okay. I, I got I, nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> you, covered, you covered the whole thing. The only thing that I would add is, is addition is, is uh, to just repost or post when you do see the little snippet about someone experiencing persecution or it going on in a country sure. reshare that because then the people in your circle of influence are suddenly going to see hey you know why keep sharing stuff about these people in these countries that are being persecuted I had no idea or, or someone in your whoever circle of influence that may not know about it now you've just made them aware and it's not going to yeah. get uh, okay. Thank you. It's not going to get the as wide a dissemination as like you know when people were in shock because of the, the helicopter crash. It right. Kobe and the other nine people on the helicopter, and people complained about that. And my point was, well, everyone is aware of who he is, so that's yeah. why it's constantly getting shared. Yeah. Uh, if people were everyone who knew about this were sharing it, it would get that kind of sharing that this just happened. Yeah. Like, within minutes. It was like the only thing going up and down everyone's feet. Yeah. And so remember, 11 people. Thank you. 11 people every day are being killed for their faith somewhere in the world. 11 people a day are being killed. That is a a sad statistic, but yet at the same time, it's a it's a happy statistic because they're being killed for their they're being persecuted and killed for their faith in Christ Jesus. What has Jesus asked you to do lately that you said I just don't have the time for? I just don't have the time to do that, God. What is he asking you to do that 
you aren't willing to do because you're afraid you're going to be made fun of or something like that. Just think about that as we close this out. Yeah, why don't you pray end with prayer. Father, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your protection upon us. And we ask you to protect our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted today. Father, it's what, one o'clock, two o'clock here in Pennsylvania. How many people have already been killed this morning for their faith because they believe in you? We ask that you would just protect them and that you would uh, not take the persecution away from them because they never want that taken away, but help them endure and be strengthened through the persecution. Help us here in America to, to, to realize um, and be aware of the fact that there are people who are facing true persecution, not just verbal, not just uh, being made fun of, that are being beaten and, and thrown in jail without any trial, any, any sentence or anything. They're just thrown into jail to be forgotten about. Help us to realize that we can be a voice for them and we can pray for them and we can stand for them. And if anyone is out there that is listening to this podcast and doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray today, Lord, that you would draw them to you, that you would have them just ask you into their lives and surrender themselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay.